Yeah, hello everyone and welcome to the Very Reasonable Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Long, with me as always my co-host, editor, producer, co-pilot, gunner, navigator, Jacob Mother Frickin' Gloth. How you doing today, Jacoby? Uh, I'm 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 doing alright. Doing well. Doing swell, maybe. You good to you ready to do some silly voices? I am, because it is episode 135. 135. Ten episodes ago, I did a script, and... Yeah. Well, I guess you're doing one now. I'm doing a script now, and this is... Rather than uh, episode 125, this is not a script reading of a show that we've already pitched. This is a brand new show that no one's ever thought about before. It's a brand new show? Yeah, it's a brand new show. What, do you think you're better than me or something? I didn't say that, but it was implied. I do an old show, and you're like, well, I'm going to write a script for a new show. Jeez, yeah. okay. Do you want me to do a script for uh, an old show? Uh, you know, I'm I'm just hurt. That's all we I can am. do the Batman Beyond script if you want. <laughs> let's not. Let's, okay, we, let's we, just... We prep for this. <laughs> I, I did, re- I did like, write all of this stuff. I would I would like to, to have it said out loud. Really you wrote all the stuff? What do you mean I, you wrote all the stuff? I wrote all of this script. Every word of it. Well, to be fair, it is only uh, seven pages. It is. It's not very long. And the script I wrote was 40 pages. We just didn't read any of it. We didn't read <laughs> we, we 40 pages. Seven. I, yeah, I read. I wrote as much as we would read. Yeah, that that's smart. That's yeah. smart. Also, I'm not sent... I'm not, you know... I'm not trying to get this show made. Yet. <laughs> yeah. No, whoa, maybe... Oh, who so knows? So how do you want to do this? You want to you want to do the the script reading first, and then uh, go yeah. into the uh, the plot and stuff. I think that's that's the good idea. Is we do the script reading first, and then after that, I you know will answer some of the mysteries set up by these first seven pages. Okay. You know, I'm, right. I'm excited. I'm hyped. <laughs> I'm so nervous because I've never been the narrator before, and I, I don't I know. know. I, I always don't... narrate with yeah. my with my little, you know narrator voice your little narrator voice which and I was, is the same as my normal voice i literally almost asked you to narrate it <laughs> i was like you want to narrate it interior black morning that's the, that's the first line that's my yeah narration. it is now i've set up really high standards are you gonna be able to reach that bar let's see do a couple pull-ups on it i can't do a single pull-up much less a couple on this imaginary you can do bar. one pull-up uh no i could probably do a, a few pull-ups i could probably do like okay five pull-ups. Ten pull-ups if you had, like, a gun to my head. I'm not very strong. But you know what I am? Ready to read some stuff out loud. Interior. All right. Black. Ooh. <laughs> Just stumbled. We stumbled at the first fucking... Yeah, the... well, that doesn't matter. You know, interior black. What the hell does that mean, by the way? It's just... <laughs> it's black. It's just a black screen. But then it's also morning. Yeah. The okay. first monologue is about the morning. Of course it's morning. Okay, okay, okay. Black screen, everybody. Black screen. I'll just say fucking interior. Black. Morning. A solemn monologue plays over the blackened screen as the words entropy, the death of all things, slowly illuminate. Never forget your first morning, do ya? The first time you woke up and felt the cool embrace of night on your face. And looked out the window, you saw the purples and oranges of the morning. The first time you woke up with the day. No, you may not remember the dates or the place, but remember the feeling. Remember that all your life. Interior. A bank vault. Sunrise. An explosion cracks the vault door off its hinges. 
A man in a gas mask holding a snub-nosed revolver walks through the smoke. Other figures wearing gas masks run in past him. A slow zoom introduces us to Henry Palms as he removes his gas mask, revealing his rotten grin, mutton chops, and a golden tooth gleaming in the fluorescent lights. Ooh. Palms, get your ass into gear. We got two minutes, tops. A slow pan reveals the piles of cash and jewels. The other men are already shoveling it into dull green duffel bags. Henry Palms is in awe for a second, but joins in the looting. Interior, bank lobby, morning. The men, having put their masks back on, start running out of the vault toward a light blue van with the words Dale's Discount Plumbing plastered on the side. Henry is the last of the group, and before leaving, he turns towards the cowering civilians huddled in front of the teller's windows. Thank y'all for being so darn gracious. Henry fires one bullet into the leg of a nearby teller. She screams in pain. And that one's for the road. Ho ho ho. Interior. Dale's discount plumbing van. Morning. The men all pile into the van, and as it peels out of the bank's carpool lane, they begin to shout in joy. We did it! We actually fucking did it! Fuck yeah! Come on, boys. There was never any doubt. We're the best goddamn bank robbers this side of Indiana. And only because Clyde moved out of Indiana. Ho ho. Their celebrations are cut short by a sudden explosion. Henry wakes up in the van, now on its side, and looks around in a daze. Smoke and fire obscure most of his vision, but he can see just enough to know that all his pals are dead. Blood, guts, and stolen bills fill the van. Henry pulls himself up and kicks the door open. He stumbles out of the van holding his revolver in one hand and a full duffel in the other. He falls to the asphalt and looks up at a man in priest's robes standing above him. Oh, well, looks like we have a fighter. Pastor Kent delivers a swift kick to the head and knocks Henry out cold. Interior, an undisclosed torture facility. Sunrise. The sunrise is glimpsed through the wrought iron bars as a slow pan out reveals Henry being hung by his ankles and beaten by three large men with bats. Oh, nope. You never forget your first morning in hell. A montage of torture plays as Henry is waterboarded, beaten, shocked, drugged, and broken. The montage ends when Henry is sat down at a steel table and shackled to the ground. One eye is swollen shut, the other bloodshot. His lips are blistered and dry, brownish blood having caked all over his face. Hair matted and grayer than it was just a few days ago, Henry is out of options, out of hope, and out of will. Mr. Palms, is it? Well, Mr. Palms, I have some questions to ask you regarding... The robbery? <clears throat> like I already said to your goons here... I was just the door, man. No idea the score or the target, just the door. Oh, I know. That little tiff was all your boss's idea. You are not to blame. Looking shocked, Henry looks Kent in the eyes for the first time since the heist. Then, why the fuck are you doing this? Why? Twofold, my good man. First, you are an example. The dog beaten and 
strung up to warn the others. Stronger dogs. Second, well, the real reason why I asked you here. How do you feel about fame? Kent leans in, getting about an inch away from Henry's face, and with a devious smile, he begins to explain. You've heard of the dark web, yes? Well, after your little heist attempt, I had a lovely little idea to keep you alive. My superiors were unenthused, to say the least, but I pled my case, and eventually, they relented. See, there are a lot of freaks out there, Henry. Freaks with fat wallets that would pay a small fortune to have 24-7 access to your pain and suffering. So I decided to give them what they want. What? What do you mean? Not much of a techie, are you, Henry? Well, let me put it like this. The rich and powerful, pointing to himself, like to watch the poor and weak, pointing to Henry, be subjected just to just about every monstrous torture you can imagine. So, the organization I represent has begun live-streaming our little therapy sessions on an untraceable black market website. And let me tell you, my friend, we have made a fucking mint. Henry looks up in horror, his lips quivering in realization of the situation he's found himself in. Because, Henry, you are one tough son of a bitch. Typically, we have to keep Vlad's muses awake using drugs and, well, mostly just drugs. But you... You, my friend, haven't lost consciousness once the whole time you've been with us. It's actually quite impressive. You've become a prime attraction for those of us who enjoy captive entertainment. Why? Why are you telling me this? Well, you see, this operation has been so damn profitable that my bosses have suggested we include the audience a wee bit more. We plan on taking suggestions from now on. And the freaks who love to watch you suffer are now going to be directing your films. That is to say, it's going to get so much worse for you. You see, these people, they have endless imagination. Interior, a black stone room with a sliver of moonlight shining through a crack in the wall. Night. There our intrepid hero sits, chained to the wall, working tirelessly on something small in his hands, rolling it back and forth. Then, a sudden flash of light, a spark, a flame, illuminates this barren hellhole. Henry holds the match close to his face and lights the cigarette he had spent hours rolling. Takes a long, deep puff of the forbidden smoke and exhales one word. Fuck. Yup. My thoughts exactly. Fuck Henry. How the shit you gonna get out of this one? A smart guy gonna bribe a guard? Hmm. What idiot the fecal cigarette you've been hanging between your lips? Nope. These guys have more than you've ever seen. You've... My friend. You are royally screwed. Like King Charles level of fucked in the ass. Looks like this is you, huh? This is your life? Tortured for freaks online, day in and day out of you being subjugated to the most hideous things imaginable. 
by rich businessmen and kids with their parents' credit cards alike. Put that out, worm, or I swear to God I'm gonna come in there and put it back where you got it. Oh, shit. Here we go again. Henry stands up, readying himself to throw a meager punch in the guard's general direction, before, of course, being beaten down yet again. But to his surprise, as the door lurches forward, a bright, blinding light bursts into the room, and a booming voice calls to him. Henry Palms, you have been selected. His chains fall to the ground, as if by magic, and his vitality is restored. He feels stronger than ever. Henry, not being one to argue with magic, doors spewing light, walked forward into the unknown. Exterior, the moon, 16762, PCE, night. Henry steps through the door of light, leaving behind a place built of man's, mankind's sins, and arrives in a place destroyed by those sins. The cratered surface of the moon greets him. The sky, what was once a black expanse dotted with billions of galaxies, has truly become a wasteland. All but the dimmest of stars have been extinguished, and in their place sits an eternal flame, a scar across the face of God. Every color imaginable screams across the night, and Henry stands in awe, forgetting for a moment that he is currently standing on the moon without a spacesuit. What the f- Oh! Henry claws at his throat as he feels his blood begin to boil. The vacuum of space is just as dangerous now as it was in his time. Ah, yes. Sorry about that. A wizened man in purple and yellow cloak waves his hand at Henry, and he is moved, placed within a bubble. Said bubble holds gravity, oxygen, atmosphere, as well as some of the most devious people that ever touched soul to soil. Henry looks around, perplexed, but far more content with his surroundings than he was previously. Henry Pauls, your death has been decided. Your life is unimportant. Will you join me in a righteous crusade? Oh, come on, Talbot. Just tell him why he's actually here. Keep the cryptic shit to a minimum. Chicago James, a wide man wearing a leather trench coat, steps forward. His face is haggard by time, and his left eye is gone, replaced with a shimmering golden orb. On his hips sit two silver-plated peacemakers, adorned with the blinking lights and insignificant screens typical of weapons made after 2234. Son, he's asking you if you want to save the universe. Or do you want to go back to whatever hellhole he pulled you from? I would like to stay here. Good, because we have work to do. (laughs) Like what? As the words leave his mouth, one of those dim stars in the background explodes. The light flashed across the sky, and just as soon as it was seen, it disappeared. The spot where the star used to sit is now empty. The light and dust of it now sucked into the great scar that makes up this new normal. Well, dealing with something like that, I reckon... As he speaks, the boosters in his boots sputter to life, and James begins flying towards the dead star. Henry wonders why, and as he is going to voice his concerns, an enormous serpentine beast crawls from the deepest crevices of the scar. It screeches and launches itself at James. I didn't save you to be our cheerleader. Go on and help him. Talbot hands Henry a jetpack and a laser rifle. He looks confused for a second. 
Then he smirks, his golden tooth shimmering. Well, let's get on with it. Henry juts up, flying towards certain doom. This is where let's get to it. <laughs> it ends there. That's the end. That's all I wrote. But I do know uh, where it's... That was yeah. fun. Yeah, I think it's a wee bit fun. I think it's fun how different it all... Like, each section of the script, even though it's only seven pages, there's, like, three big, you know, changes in, in setting and, like, theme. But, um... Yeah, it's probably... a big uh, big twist there. I like how, you, for the script, you did, like, the... Um, sort of the big intro, which is, you know, a big misdirect, really. Yeah. <clears throat> big bank robbery and then you know he's in a it's a shame uh, i couldn't keep the southern accent going that's fine and he... talbot's voice changed a couple of times that's okay my <laughs> uh, uh pastor kent's voice was not what we agreed upon before we started recording no no it was not <laughs> that's fine uh so I like it though. so so what happens here we got henry who's this you know sweet talking southern guy yeah and he's now drawing this Rickety crew with a wizard, Mr. Talbot. And a weird and space cowboy. And a weird, quick-talking Chicago James, you know? We got the New York City boy. Yeah. So we got, a, we got a southerner and a city boy and a wizard. What's going on? Yeah, so what's happening here is basically Talbot Forthright, which is the wizard's name, has is a wizard who lives at the end of the universe, right? The end of the yeah. universe is coming, and it's coming fast. And Talbot Forthright has decided that he does not want the end of the universe to come nearly as quickly as it is. So, he is going to assemble a can team... You, can you rephrase that? What? what? He doesn't <laughs> want the okay, universe... Right. He doesn't want the universe to come too fast. And so, I, you know, I just... I, I just yeah, this is a PG-13 yeah. show. Yeah, it, he says fuck a lot, and he smokes a cigarette made out of poop. I'm in our podcast. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are regarding yeah, that but podcast. I think we're supposed to put like an like E for explicit down, but we're not doing we Oh, it, do it does. No, I put it down. Okay, good. Uh, so Talbot Forthright decides to get together a band of people from different points in history. But in order for him to do that, he has to only select people whose lives made no greater impact on the timeline. Right? I see. So it's just a bunch of worthless people who have no butterfly effect at all. Exactly. There's no, They have, you know, people talk about time like you drop a, a rock in a river and the ripples, you know. That's, that's the ripple of time effect. These people have no ripples. If they were a stone, it would just fly directly into the rock, into the water. There would be no ripples, no nothing. They are at some point someone could call them caterpillars because they never become butterflies. Exactly. That see, that's good. I like that. But uh, so he's gotten this team together of nearly useless people, and or not even useless, just meaningless people. And he is going, to, and he sold them on, you know, saving the universe. He's like, well, would you rather go live in, you know, whatever hellhole like took you out of? Because most of these people die very painful, useless deaths. And so he's like, yeah. would you rather go back and do that, or do you want to be here and you're fighting monsters and like trying to stop the heat death of the universe using whatever means that we have available to us? That that part of the show I haven't really figured out yet. Um, I, 
Can I can I just toss something in there while we're while we're here? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you have a character like this already, um, or there could be like a one-off character. But it'd be kind of funny if you had a guy that like, let's say his name's Bill, mm-hmm. and all the other characters, you know, they die terrible deaths, right? That's how you're getting them, but they're unimportant. Yeah. But Bill, you just have the wizard approach him like on a random Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. and Bill's life from that point on does absolutely nothing to affect anyone but it's like his normal life like his go-to job and like yeah he just has an i like that a lot yeah he's like doesn't end up with anyone he's just like a 25 year old Mm -hmm. it's like you never get married you don't affect anyone ever in your life in your entire life you know your your entire life and death is you know one sentence in the obituaries right means nothing i like that a lot and the that's kind of the gimmick of this show is that it has a rotating cast of characters. Henry Palms is always going to be there because he's kind of our, you know, the main character per se. But Are you going to get uh, Daniel Craig to play him so he can yes. do this? His little Benoit Ooh. Blanc accent. His big sexy Louisiana Cajun accent. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't know if I'd call that Cajun. But no, yeah. that's not really Cajun. Um, no, it's not really a Bayou Cajun. accent. I was just saying Cajun because he's got the last name Blanc, which is French. Mm-hmm. But um, Louisiana. And the wizard says, the Talbot Mons. basically tells these people, you know, if you, you know, fight and die here, you you just die here. You don't have to deal with the horrible past that you once lived. You know, this is basically a fresh start for you. And so they're all like pro it. And so like Chicago James is going to die within the first couple of episodes, would die within the first couple of episodes of the series. Simply oh. because, you know, it's a rotating cast. So he dies, and Talbot just goes and plucks another person from the timeline. You know, he does that throughout the entire Is it always a trio? Episode. It doesn't have to be a trio. I was thinking it was probably going to be like four or five people, and Talbot's just kind of started. Or yeah. he had a previous crew. They all died, you know. And so he has to rebuild from, stra- yeah. from scratch. Yeah. And so that's that's, you know, kind of the premise of the show is that these useless meaningless people have to save the universe right they have to fight yeah. against entropy the death of all i'm things. pretty sure this is already a show and it's called legends of tomorrow and oh. it's on cw oh okay good i'm glad i st- well if you're gonna steal steal from the best that's <laughs> yeah I- it's a shitty show <laughs> that's what i say <laughs> um yeah and so that's kind of the premise and so, you know, I think that gives you a lot of time, a lot of, like, room to play in terms of the people that come, because uh, not everyone's going to be a future person. They're going to be, be put, you know, there can be people from cowboy times. There could be people from, like, Neolithic times, you know, that sort of thing. There could be Isaac Illich. Yeah, we could have Isaac Illich in there. Uh, that would be fun uh, for a, a wee cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... So that's the premise, and then we have all these different, you know, adventures that build on that premise, and it's like, well, you know, Forthright is working on a machine that requires, you know, an immense amount of power to, you know, turn back the heat death of the universe, and they have to go search out an ancient power source, and they go to an alien planet, and it's kind of like Galactus situation, you know, or like Titan from from, uh, Avengers Endgame. It's like this dead alien world, and they have to, you know, battle their way through it because all of the robots... That were, you know, the defense droids that were created by this alien race are, you know, they're now gone rogue without anyone to serve and all this stuff. And there are still some beings still alive in the universe, but it is like, 
a few, very small amount. It's like a rural neighborhood where it's like you have, you know, 60 miles in between you and your neighbor. 60 miles. Six miles between you and your neighbor. But it's like 600 million light years between you and your neighbor. There, there are very few people still left alive in the universe. And um, yeah. that's, that's kind of the thing. That's the main thrust of the show. And then there's going to be different, like, character interactions. For instance, Pastor Kent will be also plucked from the time stream. Oh, That's another thing that, you know, he's coming so back. So we're going to have a bit of a, a showdown between Mr. Giant Henry and, and Mr. Kent. Pastor Kent. Pastor Kent. And, you know, you get a bit Mr. of his Kent. backstory and, like, also how he would die. And then... Like, in maybe the third to final episode or second to final episode, the truth is revealed that Talbot is not saving these people from horrible deaths so they can die at the end of the universe saving it. He's just borrowing them. So, for instance, if Henry were to die now, like at in the year 167, 72 or whatever it is, he yeah. wouldn't just die and go to wherever you go after you die. He would he go back to his time. He would go back and die in the red in the torture chamber, right? Like Henry oh. will all Henry But will he pumps. have his memories? Yeah, he'll have his memories, but he couldn't Ooh. tell anyone or he's just like, you know. Well, Pastor Kent would remember. Pastor Kent would remember as well. But maybe Pastor Kent got plucked from friends. the time stream after uh Henry uh. has already died, right? Yeah. And so Oh shit, that's a, that's that's really rough cuz then it's like he becomes friends with him if he does, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow like we do this whole arc but he can't remember. Yeah, he until can't. Until it's too late, till he's after he's killed him. Yeah, it hasn't happened already. It ha- it hasn't happened, you know. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of this fate that's almost worse than death is that you're just being plucked from the time stream and used and then once your your usefulness runs out, you're sent back to whatever horrible fate you were suffering already. So Henry Palms is destined to die in that cage. Chicago James is destined to die in that, you know, mind collapse. They did die. There is no question. The only difference is, like, whether or not they, you know, died after they went to the future and set, had all these amazing adventures and did all this cool yeah. stuff and then mm-hmm. they're just gonna die again in a in an embarrassing gross what if like what if he way. lives even to old age right he somehow survives yeah. he's really old mm-hmm. but he still as soon as he dies of old age would he just be yeah. right back there he just goes right back there his the the mind Damn. that he had is sent back into the body of him you know in the torture chamber and that's where he dies. So it's like you have two lives, except one is hell. Yeah, one is the worst life that you can imagine. You know, it wouldn't still be bad so bad for Chicago James because his is just death immediately, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. So for it's Chicago like he dies James. and he dies again immediately, mm-hmm. right? So it's not too bad. But for Henry Palms, it is horrible. It's a horrible like thought, you know, existence. Yeah, to just know that you will die in pain. In like covered in piss and blood and vomit. It's like knowing you're going to hell. Yeah, exactly. No matter what, you know. So he's like, that's that's kind of the thing. Is like, well, is he going to continue to help Talbot, even though Talbot forthright wasn't very forthright with this information? Oh, yeah, almost like that was on purpose. And 
Not so Gandalf of you, is it? Mm-hmm. No, that's Mr. much more... Mr. Wizard Man. That's more, much more Sauron of you, Mr. No, Wizard Man. Oh, getting real Lord of the Rings in here. Yeah. Damn. That's much more Magneto of you. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of the theme of the show, is that death is unavoidable. It will come to everyone. Entropy, the death of all things. There's no real way of avoiding it. The only thing you can do is suspend it. You can make it... You can, like, you know, stop it from happening now. But it's going to happen, right? And so the final shot of the show will just be Henry, like, smiling as he's, like, being shocked and, like, beaten to death, you know? And maybe he remembers it, but maybe his mind is gone, you know, after all this torture. Maybe he imagined the entire thing as a fantasy oh, maybe you know that that's and maybe you could have like a inception ending right where mm-hmm. it's like a hint of something yeah where like as pastor kent's uh torture him mm-hmm. there's like a look of recognition almost in his eye yeah or he just and whispers it, you know, something that's when the him. show ends yeah and then you're like ooh, maybe he does know maybe he'll he'll let him free and they'll hang out together and maybe be they'll friends. be best friends maybe it'll be a whole thing or maybe pastor kent knows remembers knows that henry is his friend but also he only cares about the money like maybe he'll he's the kind of person to torture his own friend because it's a lot of money you know these are the kind of questions that i would i would want the audience to be asking um but yeah and i think that that gives us a lot of room to have all sorts of weird crazy characters and they can all be super like fucked up and like there's no heroes here is also part of it yeah none of these characters are heroes they're all either villains or you know henchmen or just like npcs in their own lives bill who just does nothing important in his life yeah poor bill when he dies and goes back to his normal life he's like if he remembers it's like wow Mm mm-hmm I did all that cool stuff, and now the rest of my life is pointless. Yeah, here I am. And then, you know, he just takes a step out Kills in the himself. wrong you know, part of the of the city, and he gets hit by a bus. Oh, yeah, maybe he comes back, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to do something. I'm going to... I'm confident now. I'm yeah, going to live my life to the fullest, and then he gets hit by a bus. I have all these skills or whatever now. I, like, developed all yeah. these skills working with those guys. I'm going to go splat, crushed. Or maybe Bill is like... I'm gonna go save Henry. Like, Henry is in this location. I need to go save him. And he, like, rushes into the street, squish, crushed by a bus. No. Yeah. Just really, it's a real bummer ending. It's a real bummer show, but I would kind of, that's kind of the point, is that Henry is the kind of guy who will be faced with this just horrible life, this horrible, you know, future. And he's still cracking jokes. He's still cracking wise, yeah. you know? That, cause but that's I think you need that, like, hint at the end that maybe Pastor Kent will save him. Like, just for the audience, you know, because they want a little bit of hope. Yeah. And just like that, like, the slightest little look of recognition is all you need. Yeah. And then end the show. End the show. So that the audience can theorize, like, oh, you know, maybe it all works out. Maybe he frees him and they live a happy life. Mm-hmm. Best friends forever. Best friends forever. And then the the... I, we're not done talking about it, but I just had this idea. The final song played is uh, Time in a Bottle by... I forget who who by. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, Tim Proach. Crash. Something like that. 
some crush. I think crush. you're right. I'm in a bottle. <laughs> Jim. Yeah, Tim Croce. Jim Croce. You're right. Croce. Um, yeah. What genius. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, and I think that we could do all sorts of fun stories. They could, you know, delve into ancient, you know, alien, you know, tombs and stuff. They could go down to Earth and they could see what's going down on there and see that, like, you know, the the pieces of humanity's culture that have survived and the pieces that have fallen to the wayside millions and millions of years into the future. Like, that could be fun. Yeah. Like, they, they mm-hmm. don't speak English. They don't speak any known language. It's not even close to a known language, but they still have Mario. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. They're still making Marvel movies? Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? They they yeah, still have that. Robert Downey Jr. They dragged his corpse out of, <laughs> out of the ground, and they propped it up in, a, in, that, in that one CGI room that they have. And they made him do dances. Made him do a Fortnite dance. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of pretty much the idea I have so far. It's kind of a short episode. I know. I'm sorry, but it was. I liked it. That's good. Yeah. yeah. It was that's either fun. write a script or write a season outline, and I decided to write a script. Nah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. That's what we do sometimes. Sometimes makes it easier for me to edit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to the Very Reasonable Pilots podcast. I've been your host, Charles Long. With me, as always, by my co-host, editor, producer, co-pilot, gunner, navigator, Jacob Mother Freaking Gloth. If you like what you heard here and you want to hear more, please give us a like, a follow, subscribe, and tell us how do you feel about entropy, the death of all things, the show, or just the concept itself? How do you feel about entropy? What's going on? Well, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you want to get plucked out of your life by a wizard, but then immediately get put back into it? Yeah, and, and later also after you, you die. And also, I, I would actually. Why? Why wouldn't I want that? Yeah. It's like you have a second life, essentially. Yeah, but also, you know, I, I would like that if, in the event, it doesn't lead to me having a horrible death when I come back and my life sucking. Yeah, and also, yeah. I, I'm not sure I would want to know that my life is completely meaningless. You know? Yeah, I wouldn't like. I wouldn't want that either. Yeah, but uh. Well, if your lives aren't completing completely meaningless, then leave a like in the in the YouTube video or on the podcast. Wow, way to really, you know, get them, didn't you? Yeah, I did. If you don't like, you're meaningless. If, if you, you don't do, like you're the, not. If you don't like the video, your life is completely pointless, meaningless. And if you do like it, then you're very, you're probably pretty cool. And if you dislike it, well then, fuck you. <laughs> I'm alright with it either way. I think dislikes and likes they have they require they you know get the same amount of uh, of uh, of traction. So do whatever. I, you want. I don't think you know anything about what you're talking about. Do I ever? No. no. Yeah, <laughs> That's see? usually the case. Exactly. It's my thing. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>